Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Visibility. I am here with my co-host, Michael Doeys. Hello, Michael. Hi, Alicia. And special guest, Taylor Arndt of Taylor Arndt LLC. Hello, Taylor. Hi, Alicia and Michael. How y'all doing? Great. Doing pretty good. All right. So today's podcast episode is going to be kind of a new one for even for me. So today's podcast episode is about all that is involved to get your business started. So Michael, Taylor, do you guys have any, maybe Michael, you can go first. Do you guys have, do you guys have any, like what brought this topic on maybe? Sure. So I, I had the idea, we, we thought about this today and we talked about remote work and that was kind of just kind of a teaser, I think, last time. And because the the biggest issue here is how do you start a business? Like what what goes into like what how did I get Techopolis Online Solutions LLC to be a business? Like what what went into that process of saying, How am I gonna make this an LLC? Why is it not a doing business as? What why why would you do these things why you know why would you go and be an s corp and why would you just i mean can you just be a loan agent that doesn't have any kind of business so i felt like you know we need to demystify some of these things and and talk about them on a podcast right and i actually took interest in this because i am one of those people that I don't necessarily want to put an entity on myself right now because A, I haven't, I don't feel I've grown to the point where I need it. And B, I don't really want to, I don't know, I kind of like the personal aspect and having a personal brand. So I'm, I have, I have many questions and I'm sure a bunch of people in the audience are going to have many questions. So how, what, what made you decide? that you that you needed i guess taylor you can go first since you haven't really taken a turn yeah what made you decide that you needed taylor aren't llc as an entity okay so just as a disclaimer or a you know precursor to what happened so originally my business was taylor's financial services llc and then I had trouble with google and i had trouble with a whole bunch of other things because financial services usually means loan agents or insurance agents, not bookkeepers. So I am a blind bookkeeper, if you guys don't really know who I am, and I do payroll and tax as well. And so for a bookkeeper and a financial professional, having an LLC is paramount. The reason for that is because you're often dealing with sensitive data. And so you want to make sure that you're protected from being sued. Now, a limited liability company or LLC doesn't give you full protection, right? You'll need insurance and things, and we'll talk about that later or in a later episode, but at least helps you to be somewhat unliable and gives you more protection than you would have if you were just a solo agent. All right, Michael, how about you? What made you decide that you did an entity behind yourself? So in my past, I've had a few companies. And so, so is Taylor more than what she said. So, uh, I, I started out building iAccessibility and I thought that would be my company, but 
the reason why I didn't keep with it is because it kind of puts you in one very specific niche and it's hard to break out of that, especially if business does not do well. And so I used a service, and we'll talk about these methods for creating a business in, in a bit, but I used a service to create a business, well, first a DBA, doing business as, and you do that at the county level. Yep. Now, interestingly, you can do that with your personal name at the county level as well, or city level, or whatever is in your location. And you technically need that to do business, period. Yes. You need at least a bare minimum of a doing business as document to say that you are conducting business. And it means that you're completely liable for all of your business, but it does mean that you are either representing yourself, Michael Doeys, as in myself, or in the case back then, iAccessibility, I think that that DBA is still in effect until 2027. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And I only paid like $20 to have it done. Was it 20 or was it 10? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Very small amount. And once it's done, it's done. You know, you have it, you, you, you have it notarized and you're done. That allows you to open business bank accounts and other things as well. So, yep. So that's the easiest way to get started. And and that's what I did. And then I wanted a business. Well, we made iAccessibility into an LLC. It did not do well. And so we shut its door. Now I have Techopolis Online Solutions and it's a proper LLC done through better channels. And we'll talk about what those are later. But I created an LLC because I wanted there to be the ability to use to work with Apple and other services as a professional business so that they could recognize me as my business as, as what it is. And so I could add team members and other things, but you know, your personal brand can still be represented through your business. And there's several ways to do that. Even having like what Taylor did to have Taylor aren't LLC so that her business represents her personal brand. Yeah. And that's actually really a good idea Like, if you're not sure what kind of business name you want, having your own name as an LLC is really good because that way you can at least have some protection and still having a good personal. So what made, what what is the difference? What is the reason? I'm kind of curious as to like what the difference is between an LLC or an S-Corp versus the doing business as. Taylor, you want to take that one? Yeah, I do. So an S-Corp is a corporation. Now, this is a really interesting thing for accounting. So for everybody's sanity, I will not go into all the technical tax details, but I will give enough where it's actually useful. An S-Corp is a corporation. It's not a like a C-Corp or others, which I'll explain later. So it's a corporation, and the main difference is that all of the members of the corporation, for example, the owner and others, must be on a salary, aka doing it through payroll. Now, the advantage to this is, let's say you're making $60,000 in profit a year. You know how much that would be in self-employment taxes? Self-employment taxes are like 15% or 15.6%. That'd be too much for me to calculate in my head. It'd be a lot of money. And so an S-Corp helps reduce those self-employment taxes, but instead you have to pay yourself as a salary. 
and you have to pay yourself with payroll taxes. You have to submit, you know, like you have a W-2 at the end of the year instead of getting like a 1099, which is another tax form for independent contractors. So that's kind of the main difference on the accounting and tax side. But again, really, I only do that if I know that I'm going to be making a lot of money at first or if I've already made a lot of money and now need to get rid of my self-employment tax because it's just too overbearing. So if you have an S-corp, you can't have outsourced self-employed individuals in your business? No, you can't. The difference is that you yourself, your owner, has to be on payroll. So you can have contractors all you want. That's interesting. That's super interesting. It depends on how you form your business. There are owners that that put in more as investors than than are taking out. Yep. So there, it just depends on how you're creating your business. Like there, there are some LLCs that stay LLCs and do not become S corps because it would not benefit the owners and the shareholders for doing that. It just depends on the use case. But as a freelancer, it helps because the company can can take the brunt of some of those self those taxations that happen. Yes. So you don't have to you don't have to have that as a self employed person. So it just depends on how you're starting your S corp or LLC and things like that. The other thing to note is is that if you are wanting to get an S corp and you're an LLC that's existing. I highly, highly recommend talking to a financial professional, like a tax preparer, a bookkeeper, or an accountant, you know, whatever term, because they will be able to help you determine what your best structure is. You can also talk to an attorney as well, but they don't may not know all the tax. All right. So what's the difference between forming an entity behind yourself and doing business as? Because if you're doing, if you're doing a doing business as, then that kind of makes me think like you have to register that if you have an like entity by yourself. So like I'm really I don't know. Can you help me like demystify that? Michael, do you want to take this one or do you sure. want me to do it? So if you have a doing business as in your local area, like where you live, then that doing business as is good pretty much anywhere. But the issue is if Michael Doeys is working on a client's computer. And he says, format C colon, enter, presses Y, enter, and all of their data is gone. Guess who's liable for that? Michael DeWeet. Michael DeWeet is liable for that. Yes. But if I'm Techopolis Online Solutions and I do that, then technically Techopolis isn't liable and they can go after the, the assets of the company and not necessarily my personal assets. Correct. And that makes sense. So if you're working in some some sort of like, if you're working in a manner that is like, you know, being able to have the power to be able to wipe someone's data with one command line, (laughs) (laughs) then you might need an entity. So what what is the advice for like, for people that aren't doing such risky things with people's data or people's software. Well, do you think they need that entity or should they just stay self-employed? 
Well, let me throw another monkey wrench into the thing here. What if you're a copywriter and you write articles and posts and then your client says down the road, I'm taking you to court because I feel like what you wrote, even though we approved it based on how the internet took to it or social media took to your post, did not represent us or... I'm going to take you to court because social media said that your post that you put on our behalf was offensive. All right. Well, the way that that is handled, the way that that is handled as a freelancer is completely different because you can put those terms of agreement in the contract. So you can, you know, get get involved to where the how do I explain this? I actually have had contracts that show, you know, that I am not liable for for I'm not liable for backlash. I'm not liable for certain like certain marketing results. Like I can't make certain statistics happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like if you if you say that if you say I want 1,000 followers in the next so-and-so months, I cannot guarantee that happening. You know what I mean? Like, that's not something you would put in your contract. So that's not something you would have as a terms of agreement. And if something, like, I think it's a more of a matter of, is it in your contract? And if they try to go after you, it's their responsibility because you, as a copywriter, are being told the 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 style and tone to write in, so you as a copywriter are just following directions. Well, I know that sounds all like it should matter, but it doesn't. in In today's time, anybody could can pursue for any reason, even if it's stated in a contract. And the issue is with that is that attorney fees and and you know court fees and all that are outrageous and what the llc does because i could i could write that in a contract i could say michael doeys or techopolis is not liable for data loss but that still means that you know somebody's mad they'll still try to get around the contract by bringing you to court but so, the thing is if they bring you to court wouldn't that be a problem on their part because because they brought you to court over something they brought you to court over something that was in the terms of agreement and you know they should have looked at it and read it before they signed it like that that's kind of your word against that's kind of their word against yours but they could also have enough money where their court fees would be minimal and your court fees would bankrupt yeah, that's right. that's court fees. That's court fees, but I'm talking about like the case in general. It doesn't matter. Right. Does it it matter. doesn't matter. Sometimes these people will bring people to court just so that they can take their, their, their business out so they can't work with anybody again. Right. And if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And if you are a DBA or whatever, like they could even come for your personal assets. Like, I don't know, if you had a house or whatever. Yeah. That's kind of a thing to think about, but, you know, if you, so since we brought that up, do you have anything 
maybe that could dispel the people that can't necessarily access an entity at the moment? Like, because I know there are definitely going to be people out there saying, like, I don't have the money and I don't have the time and I don't have this and that for an entity. So, like, are there anything that, you know, can dispel those fears? Because, because to be honest, that is, that, that sounds scary from afar. So, you know, for people that, I mean, it doesn't scare me because I'm not, I don't know, I haven't played with anything sketchy yet, but it might scare other people. So are there anything that can dispel those fears of just being a 1099 contractor and not having, you know, those, the entity behind you? There's loads. Do you want me to go first, Taylor? I guess you like to go first. I'll go first and tell you the one thing that I recommend is if you are just a contractor and you have no, even if I recommend this for LLC, but I absolutely recommend this is get good liability insurance. And that way, you know, it will protect you. You know, even if you're not an LLC, it can protect you against liabilities, you know, if people try to sue you or whatever. So liability insurance is a must for me. Michael, All go right. Ahead. And what, what if you don't have access to that even? What's the cost of it, Taylor? Like, what, what do you pay for good liability insurance? I pay like 14 to 18 a month. All right. Is there a resource they can look to? Like, um, if they want to get liability insurance and they want to uh, look into that? I one? use uh, Next Insurance. It's through QuickBooks. I think there's also Hiscox and others. I think I think Legal Shield and ID Shield does small business liability insurance, too. They may. Legal Shield is great. Yep. Yep. So the other thing that I want to recommend highly is if you do look at, you know, for sure, you definitely want to get your DBA because you're more liable. You could get in trouble with like law based if you do not even have a DBA. That that is kind of a must. You if you're doing business, you definitely want to have a DBA. That way you could say, I have my business documentation here that I can do business in my city or state or wherever. That's a must. Because I have another question. So where is the best resources to look to to get your DBA, firstly? Go to your county's website. Like, even, I don't know what county you're in, but you could type in, like, for example, we're in Travis County for Texas. So Travis County DBA. Type that in Google, and it'll probably bring up something for your county. That's Um, what I recommend. Michael? The Yeah, I would just type get how to get a DBA and... In uh, Austin, Texas, how to get a DBA and wherever you are. Does a DBA span just your county or can you get a DBA for like statewide or countrywide? It just is your county, but it at least shows that you are doing business within, you know, you're doing your business within your county, even though it's an online business, because you're actually doing the business with others from your location. Yeah, but would it matter? If I was to travel somewhere and still be no. working, if I was to, if I was to move, would I have to re-register that DBA? Yes. If you do, yes. you would have to re-register. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Oh, trust me. When I had my LLC in Michigan and then I tried to convert it to Texas, that was a rodeo. It was not fun. <laughs> they wanted to, they wanted to charge me like $600 for a conversion fee and like, oh, so then I'm just there's, like, there's a lot of LLCs are a very different thing. They are, but DBAs are a lot easier to convert. Yeah, they're like $10 to yeah. $10. They're very cheap. 
And you could usually fill the paperwork out online, bring it in, you know, print it out. They notarize it. Boom, you're done. Very great. Easy. So who would notarize it is the question. Believe it or not, you're, when the I county? brought it down there, they notarized it. They just, you know, stamped it. And I don't know that every county will do that, but they did it for me. Otherwise, there are some really good online notaries, believe it or not. And I think Texas and a bunch of other states support where you can get remote notaries. I've had to do that many times. Uh, if not, if you can't do that, then in person, the UPS store does notaries. And a bunch of other, like, you know, even if you're in a small business Facebook group, you'll probably see a bunch of notaries, like mobile notaries. All right, that's cool. So does that cost much to just have it notarized? It's like five, ten bucks. That's cool. That's good to know. Maximum, like, I pay maximum, like, 20. It all depends on the form that you're trying to notarize. How much yeah. how much they have to read. <laughs> <laughs> or how many signatures they have to sign, really. Right. Right. That's good. All right. Okay. So do you... I had a question, but I lost it. But go ahead, Michael. It sounded like you wanted to speak. Oh, I was going to... I'm I'm just excited about how to form... I, I want to talk about how you actually form an LLC because Taylor and I have very different experiences yeah. with this. Yeah. And... <laughs> And uh, I'm just excited about that part. So, all right, go ahead. All right. So, I think the important thing is because, okay, getting a DBA is easy. That's piece of cake. Creating an LLC is in in the past has not been a piece of cake. Mm -mm. And because in the past, you had to fill out paperwork, articles of incorporation, all of these. Stupid papers. And find an attorney. Yeah, find an attorney, get a notary, all these things. It it was a process. It took oh forever. Goodness. And now it's not. Now it's not. And there's a few ways you can do this. And one's cheaper. That Taylor's way is cheaper, <laughs> I think. Yes. My way is more expensive and a little more a little more automated, but a little bit. But I'm not sure. So, Taylor, before I talk about mine, why don't you talk about the way you created your business? Okay. So, I just want to get a couple PSAs out of the way. So, again, the question comes up, should you form an LLC in your state? That's a whole other thing. Because sometimes, like what Michael's going to talk about, he actually does not have the LLC in Texas because of the method that he uses. But... Anyways, the method that I use, I usually form in my state where I live. That's why, like I said, when I tried to convert from Michigan to Texas, it was fun. Not. It was actually horrible. And so what I do is I went through a registered agent. What is a registered agent? It's literally a company who keeps all your legal mail and all of your LLC paperwork in a place that is secure and that is easily accessible. Now, the rules vary from state to state about that. And sometimes people can become their own registered agent. Note though that some states do not allow this. I do not think that Texas does. And so people do that because it's actually cheaper. They don't have to pay an outside company. But again, it may not be allowed in your state. Or if you're making a business in another state that you don't even live in, then you definitely need a registered agent. And basically this person is on file with the state. So in case you get sued or whatever, all that paperwork will be there. And so I formed with a registered agent. So the registered agent I used in Michigan was called Michigan Registered Agent. 
it cost me about $49 a year to renew my registered agent. Pretty cheap. Michigan costs $50 a year for LLC. And in Texas, I use something called Northwest Registered Agent, recommended by a friend. And this one, I think it costs like, man, I think it was actually the same price as Stripe Atlas, Michael. It was like 500 but Texas's LLC fees are 300 So yes, that is exactly what I did. And then I literally formed my LLC through Northwest Registered Agent. They asked me a whole bunch of questions. And then after the registered agent filing, they asked me to do a couple other things and even offered to do other services for me, like getting my EIN, employer identification number. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, that's kind of how I do my LLC. And then, of course, I always open up my own bank account and then give them paperwork and all that kind of stuff. So mine's more manual, but it works if you have a little bit of money. Michael? Okay. So... The approach I took before Taylor opened her business is I used what's called Stripe Atlas. This is, believe it or not, through Stripe. Believe it or not, you can open a business from Stripe. And it costs around $450, $450 to $500. I don't remember the amount. It's $500. Yeah. So... But then after that, the yearly fees are $400. And I'll explain why. Stripe Atlas each year takes $100, but then Delaware's tax business taxes each year are $300. And so you basically have to pay that whether you make income or not, which is kind of a bummer. It's basically you have your business open here, so you have to pay taxes. So the the reason why I use Stripe Atlas is, is that they take care of everything for me, kind of like Taylor's registered agents in Texas. They do all of that for you. It's all handled through Stripe, and you get a lot of Stripe perks for doing that as well. Like I got a bank account through Mercury Bank, which is a, a tech startup bank and things like that. It's a very automated process where I just went through, answered a bunch of questions, just like Taylor said, and they generated all my documents, my articles of incorporation, my... Certificate of formation. Yep, certificate of formation, all of those documents. And they even generated my IRS employee identif- employer identification number. Now, as a as a one person LLC, you don't always need that. You can no. use your SSN as well. We'll talk about and, that in a little bit, though. Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get to that now. Oh, are you? Yeah, because as a business that of one person LLC, you're what's called a pass through, which means. You file your company's taxes just as you do your personal income tax. <laughs> and that's how I prefer to do it because it makes it easier. I can file with my social security number, all that kind of stuff, and it works great. In fact, the IRS tells you you should that's how you should file as a single member LLC. An LLC, if people don't know, can be started as one person yes. or as a group of people. And so it's there as a partnership, as a limited liability partnership. That's different from a doing business as partnership. That's why I don't usually use the term partnership. Oh, really? I didn't know even know there was a DBA partnership. Yes, yes, there is. So that's why I always just, you know, an LLC with multiple members, you know, is a little, it's a partnership LLC. But as a single member, you can, as a freelancer, you can use it as a pass-through. So you don't even have to file separate taxes. You could just file that on your personal taxes and then you're liable. So if you have that liability insurance, you have the LLC, then you're 
doubly protected. <laughs> and that's what I would recommend. And did you know your liability insurance and your LLC costs are tax write-offs? Yes. So I just had to put what? it in a tax professional. <laughs> what? Excuse me? You mean all of the stuff, like, it makes sense to me, but there are a lot of people that are like, oh, so is all of this, like, a write-off? Like, can I write off my liability insurance? Can I write off my stripe fees? Can I write off this? Can I write off that? A lot of people don't really know, like, what they can write off and what they can write off. Let, Let me explain this a little further. And Taylor will back me up because I know she will. Uh, yes, I will. We went to the Italian food restaurant two nights ago, or whenever it was. Yes. Friday night. And I want to go. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that sounds kind of good. Um, but yet. <laughs> but we, if, as long as we talk business during that that dinner, that dinner becomes a tax write-off. Yes, with certain restrictions. Mm-hmm. So, so let me explain. So... Let's explain why do we have write-offs? Because people are thinking, why do we have write-offs? So imagine this. Imagine you have a business and you make, let's say, $100,000 a year. Okay, great. $100,000 a year times 15% is some crazy number. That means you have to pay all that in taxes. That That's going to really $15, suck. $15,000. Yeah, $15,000 in taxes. You're thinking, oh my God, I don't want to be in business again. Well, here's why. As a self-employed individual, you pay both the employee and the employer tax portion of the tax bill. Think about this. When you were at your standard job, you know, when you got a paycheck every two weeks and you had your, you know, taxes thrown out every two weeks of, you know, withheld from you, you only paid your portion, which was like 7.5%. But because you are self-employed now, you have to pay both portions. You have to pay the employer and employee side. But that means that you're at an unfair advantage, right? You're like, well, why should I even be in business anymore? Because I have to pay both sides of these taxes and that's really not going to make me any money and this is just not worth it. You see, the IRS thought about that and they're like, well, you know, we need to make this a more fair playing field because imagine if no one wanted to start businesses and no one wanted to have jobs. So here's the thing. As a small business and self-employed owner, you can write off different things for your business. So a couple examples are your software. You know, if you have to buy, for example, Office, or you need to buy Canva, or you need to buy GitHub Copilot, or you need to buy ChatGPT+, if that thing is used for business, you can write that off. Or for your meals, for example, Michael went into that. Basically, the way that this works, and again, you'll want to check with an official tax professional, or if you don't have one, or TurboTax, depending on your situation. But basically, 50% of your meals can be written off. So, for example, if I spent $38 at Mandola's, our Italian restaurant, which I really want to go to, thanks, Michael, then that would mean that I could write off like $14 or $15 of that. Basically, because the IRS, you know, doesn't want you to write all of it, but you can still write some of it. Now, of course, during the pandemic, because restaurants were not getting much business, business owners could actually write 100% of that cost off on their tax returns. Of course, in you know today's time, you can only write off 50, and there's other rules, like if you had the meal with a client, or if you had it with yourself, or if you had it with an employee, or, you know, whatever. So those are the basic rules. Again, like I said, I always recommend talking to a tax professional about the rules that apply to you. 
So you can write off anything that relates to your business. And the IRS defines that as anything needed and necessary for running your business. So business licenses, business taxes, hey, even the taxes you had to pay for the IRS are deductible. So I thought that helped. I thought that would help. And if you have questions, again, please let me know. All right. I do have questions. Okay. (laughs) So how do you specify that something needs to be written off? How do you specify? So like with your with your tax professional, how do you best like talk with them and be like, this is a write-off, this is a write-off, and so is that? You know what I mean? The tax professional will generally tell you like what to write off. So basically what will happen is I use accounting software called QuickBooks. And I'll literally look look through the QuickBooks file and, you know, I will say, okay, we have these meals. These are write-offs. So I'll just, you know, divide that by two for the 50%. Or I will, like I said, or I'll go through bank statements if they don't have accounting software. Highly recommend accounting software, but that's a whole other deal. But yes, that's kind of what I do. It's a lot of communication back and forth and a lot of making sure that we are on the same page about what we can write off, what we can't. And that's why diligently talking to a tax professional is a good thing. Tip for all y'all looking for a tax professional. Don't try to look for one on January 1st. You're not going to have much luck. What I recommend is looking for one right now. The reason tax professionals are really busy at the start of January with their clients, and most of them do not accept new clients at that time. So if you want a good tax professional, I would start looking now. Just hint from my side of the table. So. Yes, that is how we usually look for write-offs. All right, we are getting close to the top of the hour, so I want to kind of wrap it up. Michael, Taylor, is there anything you guys else want to talk about as far as like the paperwork and the logistics and things of setting up a business that can be done in the next 10 minutes? Yes, Uh, yeah, I want to talk about the bank account. Michael, what do you want to talk about? You go ahead and go with that because I think that's the most important thing. Okay, so as a business owner, It is imperative, imperative that you have a separate business and personal bank account. Reason, having a business bank account ensures that all of your transactions for your business get reflected, especially if you're using QuickBooks. For the love of all things, don't use a personal bank account on QuickBooks. Learn that the hard way. But please, please, please use a business bank account because that will help you to ensure that you can get everything clean and nice for your tax professional. Tip, we will charge you a lot more if we have to sift through all your personal bank account statements. You know, all those trips that you made to the grocery store and all that's not deductible or all the medical bills or all that other stuff. So if you want to be nice to your tax professional, get a business bank account. The way you do this is you use your EIN, like we talked about earlier, employer identification number. As a business, you must have that to open a bank account. The other reason you must have the EIN is if you want to hire employees. Must. You must have them. So basically, yep. Do you want a business bank account? Okay, hold on. Go ahead. So if you are not an entity and you are just self-employed, can you get access to a business bank account? You will still want to get an EIN because you will need an EIN. Nope. That's incorrect. That is incorrect. As long as you can pre- present a DBA to your bank that is notarized, they will give you a business bank account. Sorry. Okay, so okay. if you have a do, so if you have a doing business as, you can still get a business. I was thinking uh, about Mercury, Michael. 
Mercury, yes, but Chase will give you a... Chase will, person. yes. Most banks will. Yes. Sorry, I I stand corrected. I was just thinking about the bank that Michael uses. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry. It was related to what we were just talking about, so I really wanted to know. Go yeah, ahead. No problem. Continue. Continue. Okay, let me try to figure out why I didn't lose my train of thought. So... Like I said, getting a business bank account now, there is different restrictions. For example, like some bank accounts will charge you per month for the bank account, almost like a personal account, but maybe, you know, for account maintenance fees. Like I said, I use Chase, and if you don't meet certain conditions, they will. And some will also have, like, you know, you can have a certain amount of transactions or they'll charge 50 cents extra. And they also have other features, like for accepting credit cards and debit cards and invoicing and all that other stuff for AR and AP management, AR accounts receivable, who who owes you money, and AP accounts payable, the people that you owe money, your vendors. So some of those bank accounts have that, but some of them don't. So, you know, keep in mind all the features. I think I have a blog post somewhere on one of my websites, how to choose a bank account. If I don't, that will be coming. Yeah. And I just want to say, you know, Taylor, thank you for being here this time. You've brought a lot of great information the creating a business is is sounds very intimidating. It, it really sounds intimidating. And I hope that what we've done here is say it's not. It's work. Just like, you know, anything you do as a business owner is work, but it can be done and it can be automated. And a lot of these things that we've talked about help automate that process. Yes. All right. So so that we can wrap it up. I want to do our end off, which is basically, what is your business? What is your business? What do you do? Where can they find you online? So Taylor, you can go first. You can, this is your time. This is the end time is your time to promote your business and promote where they can find you. So go ahead, Taylor, you go first. All right. Hello, everyone. Again, I'm Taylor Arndt, and my business is company Taylor Arndt LLC. I am a versatile virtual assistant. I say that because I have so many different skills, bookkeeping, payroll, uh, tax consulting. I also do virtual virtual assistants, so the standard admin tasks, you know, like answering emails, doing call and phone calls and all that other stuff. And I also do web accessibility testing and auditing, as well as custom WordPress development. So I've got a lot of different skills and primarily right now doing bookkeeping and payroll because we are leading up to taxi. Michael. So we we forgot Taylor has not been able to do, I don't know if you remember this, but we do our business tips. Oh, yes. I did not know that. God about that. Yes. Business tip. Go ahead. Okay. Business tip. Starting a business is not supposed to be done alone. What do, uh-oh. What do I mean by that? Starting a business requires a team effort. Look, as a business owner, you don't know how to do a lot of this stuff. And you may not, and you may feel intimidated. Having a team by your side, you know, someone who can help you with finances and someone who can help you with other things is really awesome. Now, if you're thinking, I don't have the money for that. Well, there's workarounds, right? Maybe you could get training from a financial professional, like for lessons and things for QuickBooks. Or maybe you could just have them help you with your taxes at the end of the year. Or there's so many different things that you could think about. But having a team is the best thing because that way you don't feel like you're so overwhelmed. 
And that way you can also make sure it's done correctly from the Michael. Well said. My tip is when you're starting a business, think about what you're doing, what you're trying to do, and where you want to go. Because when you do those things, then you can scale better. You can make sure that you are where you want to be in those five years. And again, like Taylor said, having the right people around you to build what you're to build your dream and your vision is important. So when you're building your business, think about does it need to be a DBA? Does it need to be doing business as? Does it need to be LLC, S Corp, C Corp, or you know, how many you know, we didn't even talk about C-Corps, you know, because as a freelancer or a small business owner, those are usually out of reach anyway. Yes, so, they are. Yep, if you're going to do a corp, you want to do an S. C-Corps mm-hmm. are like for bigger, bigger companies. So keep those things in mind and just look at where you want to be and say, okay, is the DBA going to do good enough for me for, you know, a year or do I need to go ahead and go up? So figure out your plan figure out scaling, just like with technology, scaling is important, figuring out your plan for scaling and, you know, chase your dreams. My business is Techopolis Online Solutions and it is my dream. And it's finally becoming a possibility because of my team here. And it's a fantastic business and I really enjoy it. We build apps, websites, do accessibility auditing and copywriting and so much more. So check out techopolis.online and all of our great websites. So yeah. And you could find me online, Michael Doey's pretty much anywhere, Mastodon. Twitter, Facebook, just search for me. All right. Well, anyways, <laughs> great business tips there. But my business, as for as for my business, my name is Alicia Geary, and I am a freelance digital copywriter. I specialize in email marketing and website content, especially if you especially for SEO. I do a ton of different other like marketing, especially written marketing related services. So feel free to check out my website where you can find me online. I am Alicia Geary on Facebook, LinkedIn. You can also find me. That is my display name on Discord. You can also find me as blind one lives at techopolis.social on Mastodon. You can also find me as Blind One Lives on pretty much everything else, Discord included. My business tip would probably be before considering everything that we've heard today, before you form an LLC or an S-Corp or things like that, really nail down what your use case is and what you're going to need before you put one of these entities behind yourself because different entities have different restrictions based on like how they're formed and what they're formed under. So be sure you nail down like really what it is you want to do before you do such and make sure you make the right decision for your business. That will be all for today, folks. Thank you for listening. If you liked our content, be sure to share it with a friend and tune in next Sunday at, or next month, next Monday at 5 p.m. Central 
for Visibility Live and tune in Thursday for the full edited episodes. Thanks again, everyone. Bye, everyone.